podcast of Antioch Church in Colorado Springs. If you've been impacted by this ministry and would like to support the work we're doing in Colorado Springs, you can give online at our website, antiochcos.com. We hope that the Lord ministers to you through this message. Good morning, Antioch and friends. Christ is risen. Amen. That is our hope, and that is why we gather. It is so great to be together with you. And uh, for those of you who were not here last week, um, I made an announcement about our special speaker today, and we really are in for a treat. Um, but it's, it's a little bit of a bittersweet day, and uh, I'll get to that here in a minute. Um, here at Antioch, we have, we have some marching orders that we feel the Lord has given to us as a people. And that is something that he has given to us about eight years ago. So um, when I first received the leadership of the ministry of this church in 2010, um, I pulled together a group of leaders in 2011, and I said, Let's pray and let's meet on a regular basis to talk about the unique mission that God has given to us. Let's seek that. Let's delve into that. And I know that this is something that we've not actually talked about much here recently. Um, I've kind of taken for granted that it's gotten into a good core of the people, but but really our mission statement should be something that we're we're looking at, we're praying into, we're rehearsing, we're reciting, we're thinking through on a very regular basis. Uh, the executive team and I got together several weeks ago, and uh, we took about four days out of the work week, the week before Christmas, and we met in an off-site, and all we did was we examined our mission statement. What does that mean? Well, here's our mission statement. Uh, it is as a kingdom community, we awaken, we equip, and we send people to transform cities, regions, and nations. That's, that's our mission statement. So we began looking at that saying, are, are we doing that? How do we measure that? What does that mean? What does it mean to awaken? Uh, if we don't know if, what it means to awaken people, how, how, how will we know if we've actually done that? And so we really, we really delved into that. And you'll be tasting the fruit of that work here in a few months because we're going to have a, a series where we unpack those things. On that same day that we were, or one of those days that we were working through this, I, I got a call from my good friend, my dear friend, uh, Jeffrey. And as we were crystallizing what it meant to be a sending community, Jeffrey called me this same day. You didn't even know that we were doing this work. So earlier in the afternoon, the guys and I, we began working out through a a long process. What does it mean to send? And this is what we came up with. To send means to commission the church to incarnate God's faithful presence in the world. So every time we gather together and we pray and we send you out as a church, we are saying, hey, go forward into the earth to turn into flesh, to live out, to embody God's faithful presence in the world. We believe that God is at work in the world, and we believe that we as a church are the faithful presence of God wherever we go, whatever we do. And so there is this sending, activating commissioning component that every one of us experience on a weekly basis. So we are sending out the church to incarnate God's faithful presence in the world and to partner with his work in the places that they inhabit, the places that you inhabit and the places and spaces that you were called to. 
Later this afternoon, later that afternoon after we worked through that, Jeffrey called me and, and he began to share with me some of the unique dynamics and the unique challenges that his family uh, have been facing because they live in Denver. And for 12 years, this family, whether it was nice outside or whether it was snowing outside, this family woke up early, drove all the way down here, would, would attend as many of the activities and events as they could on that Sunday afternoon, and they would drive all the way back for 12 years. And I just think about that faithfulness, and I think about that commitment. Beyond that, many of you know, because many of you have experienced the generosity and the blessing, not only of their friendship, but even financially. These guys for years were some of the greatest benefactors of our students and our families that were going out overseas. These guys carry a passion for the world. And they're gonna tell a story as well as preach the gospel to us today on how God has been faithful to fulfill his promises and fulfill his dreams in and through their lives. And I believe it's gonna be um, an encouraging word. It's gonna be an activating word. It's gonna be an equipping word. But after they share, uh, we're gonna call the entire family together and we're actually gonna commission this family out. And we're gonna send them to their next work, to the next body of believers that God has called them to. We're gonna send them into their next season. We're gonna send to them, commission them into their next assignment. And we're gonna do that with joy. We're gonna do that with celebration. We're gonna do that with uh, championing the work of God in their lives. You know, uh, sometimes we use this little offhanded statement. We talked about being sent ones and not went ones. We talk about, you know, when, when we really are a part of the family of God, there is a way, there is a way to transition into the next season. There's a way to transition into the next assignment that God has for us. And, and a lot of times what happens is if we're not careful, we'll, we'll leave from the wrong motivations or we'll leave from unhealthy motivations. And when that happens, uh, we're not really transitioned in a, in, a season, in a place of celebration. That transitioning, that sending doesn't happen. It's, it's like a child going off to college and the family all gets together and they, they have a party. They speak blessing. They speak life and destiny and purpose into that son or daughter's assignment as opposed to the son or daughter just kind of sneaking out the back door and, and leaving and never knowing, are, are, are they coming back or are they here or are they not? And that's not what's happening. What's happening is through 12 years of friendship and leadership, through 12 years of faithfulness and giving and sowing and investing, through being our elders and walking with us through our eldership process of building that out, Jeffrey said, I'm, I'm sensing and I'm submitting this to you, but I'm sensing that God is calling us into a next season. And there was an, there was an immediate agreement and afterwards, there were immediate tears because Jeffrey is one of my dearest and closest friends. And so while this is going to hurt relationally and while this is going to hurt in my soul and my spirit, I know this is right. And I know that as we sow you, that there's going to be so many things that God brings your way and so many things you experience and so many treasures of the kingdom that you're taking from Antioch to the next place but also that you'll receive from the next place. So Jeffrey, it's an honor to have you come and to share the word of the Lord and to share the story that God has walked you through. And, and then we're gonna pray you guys out. Come on and welcome my friend, Jeffrey Moore, please. Thank you, brother. 
Well, Pastor Jay, thank you for that very eloquent uh, introduction. And um, I can't tell you how much your friendship means to me as well. And this is bittersweet for us, uh, but it's exciting because God has called us to the next season, the next step. We believed and we waited for 10 long years. And it took us to a moment in the journey, like many moments, that I couldn't control. In 2007, God gave us what would become a radical calling. Back then, our oldest son, our only son, Joshua, was just three years old. And through a vision that I'm going to share with you in a few minutes, God called us to expand our family through adoption. And then he began to give us prophetic words, puzzle pieces, as I call them, that we began to follow and put together to understand the journey. We gradually moved from the idea of adopting one child to then adopting multiple kids at different times, and then to actually adopting four siblings all at one time. And for 10 long years, we pursued the promises of God for us for adoption as carefully as we knew how. And those promises took us to this moment on May 30th of 2017. And I stood on the cold concrete floor of a little orphanage in the city of Huancayo in Peru. Now, Huancayo is a mountain town. It's up in the, in the hills, uh, the mountains east of Lima, uh, up a long mind, winding mountain road. It's about 11,000 feet tall. And that elevation there was not helping my stomach, which was tied up in a knot, as tight as you can imagine, because we were about to meet the children for the first time that we'd agreed to adopt. Why was I nervous? Because I didn't know what to expect. We had seen some blurry pictures of the kids. We'd read a little bit of their story. Um, they'd seen some pictures of us, but it was our first meeting. How would you expect kids to act that were meeting strangers for the first time? They're supposed to be their new parents. I didn't know, so I went to the father in prayer. I said, Father, this is the moment that you have prepared us for. For 10 years, you've been giving us, imparting your heart for the fatherless into our hearts. And now here we are. So I asked for divine favor and covering over this moment. And then I did what I'd done for 10 years. I gave our story back to God. I put it back in his hands. And suddenly the door to the courtyard swung wide open and there stood my middle daughter, Marielena. And she had a big smile on her face and she ran right into my arms. And I dropped to my knees right there on that concrete floor and I embraced her, I wrapped her in a hug. For some reason, our lawyer that was working with us in Peru had cautioned us not to be too emotional with the kids. I think she was preparing us in case they reacted uh, differently than we expected. But that's not the heart of a father for the fatherless. And then my next daughter, Elizabeth, my oldest daughter, came in. And she came right to me. I was still on my knees. And she gave me a big hug. And she said this. She said in Spanish, te amo, papi. And for those of you that speak Spanish, you know that means I love you, daddy. And it's not a cold, informal, I love my new father. It's that innocent, childlike, I love you, daddy. And I wrapped her up and I said the same thing to her. Te amo, Elizabeth. I love you, my daughter. And then came uh, Jonathan, my youngest son, and Talia, our youngest daughter. And that moment there in the orphanage was one of the most beautiful moments of my life. It was right up there with when uh, I said I do with my wife, Christine. When I saw my son Joshua come out of the womb. 
It was a beautiful, holy moment. And I knew standing there that everything was going to be okay. We pursued the promises of God for 10 years. We had moments of up. We had moments of down. We had moments of doubt. We had moments of total confidence in God's plan. Through it all, I found God to be 100% faithful, trustworthy, true. You know, there's not a single word that he spoke to us in those 10 years that did not come to pass, that did not happen just the way he said. They didn't all happen on the first day. We had to learn to wait, to trust in his timing for our journey. Now, our calling was adoption, but there's as many callings as are our people. Every one of you here this morning has a different calling in the kingdom. So I'm here to encourage you this morning because I know that there's someone here that's got a promise from God that has not yet come to fruition. There's something that you're waiting on. You've seen a part of it. You've seen a little bit of a glimpse of what it's going to be like, but you've not seen the fullness of it yet. And so I want to encourage you this morning because I believe that when you leave this service, you're going to be able to hear God more clearly and you're going to be able to connect more confidently with his promises for your life. Before I go any further, let me pray. Father, I ask you to speak through me this morning to do what only you can do to empower your message by your Holy Spirit. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Open the ears of everyone listening to this message right now to hear your purposes and your promises for them. Amen. Well, good morning, Antioch. I wanted to start with that story first, and uh, I don't really have to introduce myself because Pastor Jay's done a phenomenal job of that already, Uh, but my name is Jeffrey Moore, and along with my beautiful wife, Christine, uh, we have served as elders here for the last two years, Uh, although for the last 18 months, uh, we've really not participated in the ministry of the church here very much because uh, June of 2017 was when we were spent a month in Peru to complete this adoption uh, of our four children. And I just want to say, uh, knowing that we live so far away, uh, we've spent a lot of hours in the car. We've spent probably 75,000 miles uh, driving uh, back and forth down here. And every moment has been worth it. To develop the friendships that, that Antioch has cultivated in this place, to hear the messages that we've heard, and to experience the presence of God in this place, it has been phenomenal, and it's been worth it. And that is why we've made the sacrifice to do what we've done. And uh, Pastor Jade and Christy, thank you so much for leading that and for leading it so well. Thank you. So I'm excited this morning because I get to share some uh, stories from our journey, but also some things that we learned in the process, because I want to encourage you as well. And here's the most important thing that I learned in our 10-year journey, and that is that God is completely faithful, and you can inherit his promises through combining faith and patience. Now, this concept comes from uh, the book of Hebrews in chapter 6. So go ahead and get your Bible out, and uh, let's turn there together. Hebrews chapter 6, and uh, we are going to start in verse 11. And it says this, And we desire each one of you to show the same earnestness to have the full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, and some translations say spiritually sluggish, so that you may not be spiritually sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We're going to camp out here in this concept a little bit today of how faith and patience combine together. 
to help us inherit the promises of God. And already I see a, a bit of a juxtaposition in the wording here because we typically see patience as something that's not active. It's just, it's just very passive. We just wait, okay? But the writer of Hebrews says, no, don't be spiritually sluggish, but also have patience and faith. And we're gonna talk about that. Um, the first thing that I want to talk about before we kind of get into the faith and patience is I want to talk about adoption uh, just for a few minutes with you. And so I've got a question for you. It's kind of a personal question. So if you don't feel comfortable answering, that's okay. You don't have to. But the question is, how many of you have a close connection with adoption? Maybe you are adopted. You've adopted a child or you have another close connection. How many of the, how many do you have a connection like that? All right, that's amazing. That's awesome. All right, let's turn over then from a, a couple of chapters from Hebrews to Galatians, and I want to read a verse for you. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 4, Galatians 4, and starting in verse 4. And it says this, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. We just sang about that just a few minutes ago. Abba, Father. Okay? So that we might receive adoption as sons. All right, so let me ask that question again. How many of you have a close connection with adoption? All right, that should be a lot of people here. In fact, it should be almost everyone. Right? So I tricked you a little bit. I apologize for that. But why does God care? You know, there's almost 50 verses in the Bible that relate to orphans or the fatherless. Um, one of them, another one we just read a few minutes ago, uh, Psalm 68, 5 and 6. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. God cares deeply about adoption because he cares deeply about the fatherless. He wants to see them settled in a, in a home, in a loving home. That's the model that he gave for us. That's what he did for us, okay? He adopted us into his family. And just like he has done that for us spiritually, God is calling us to reflect that uh, characteristic of, of God in the earth by inviting other children, uh, fatherless children, into our own homes um, to, to adopt. Think about this. God only has one begotten son, only one biological son. Every other child that he has has come into his family through adoption. That really changed my perspective on adoption when I saw, when I realized that, that significance. You know, in the past few years, there's been a, a push to avoid using the word adopted with the children. And there's some good reasons for that. I want all of my children to feel that they are equal parts of the family, that there's no distinction uh, because of how they entered the family. I want them to all feel that, that comfortableness and confidence. But, but the reason that we, we have to do that is because there's still a stigma related to, a negative stigma related to adoption. Okay? What if, what if we change the culture? What if we as Christians began to celebrate the fact that we are adopted? How would that change the language in our families? How would it change the language in our churches? And maybe there would be a day that would come where uh, every child could celebrate how they entered into a family, whether it was by birth or through adoption, because they're all equal and they know that and it doesn't matter. Now, let me take it a little bit further. I want to challenge you. What if God's plan and heart 
is that every family have an adopted child. All right, I know I'm challenging you. That may not be the plan for every single person, but I think it's the plan for a lot of us. And I think you should be praying about that. A few weeks ago, we celebrated the birthday of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., a man that I have great respect for, especially now that I parent uh, children whose skin color is different than mine. And when I think about his dream, I have a dream of my own. I have a dream that my five little children will one day live in a nation where they are not judged by the color of their children's skin, but by their obedience to the call of God. I have a dream that one day there'll be no more orphans, that one day uh, there'll be a loving family ready and waiting for every child that loses its parents. I say that because adoption has been an absolute blessing in my life. Yes, it's been hard. It's been very hard. After 18 months, there's still days that we don't know if we're going to sink or swim. It's very hard. But at the same time, in the midst of the crucible of life, there's these beautiful shining moments of seeing all five of our children step into their callings. We resonate with the words of Psalm 127 that says, children are a gift from the Lord. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. We are truly blessed to have five incredible children, each with their own unique calling and gifting. And our our quiver is full, by the way, just in case you're wondering, with, with five kids. just got that, didn't you? Um, people often ask me, how did you get this call to adoption? Well, I'm going to tell you. In the spring of 2007, uh, God had been kind of tugging my heart to consider the life of orphans. It really was a brand new idea. I'd not spent much time, honestly, thinking about uh, orphans in the world. And then I realized and did some research that there's more than 20 million orphans around the world. That's 20 million sons and daughters that woke up this morning with no mother to hold them, okay? Facing the day alone in many cases. In May of 2007, my wife Christine and I were seeking God by spending extra time with him in the night hours, and he met us there. One night, I had a vision. Now, when I say vision, I wasn't asleep. I was clearly awake, so it wasn't a dream. But as I closed my physical eyes, I, there, was, there was a scene unfolding in front of my spirit uh, that God was directing. It wasn't coming from me. And in the, during the journey, I rarely shared this vision because it was very, very precious to me what God did and what he said. But I share it now because I'm so excited about uh, what it means and is a tribute to what God did in our lives. Can I share it with you? Awesome. <clears throat> so in this vision... Um, I was floating in the ocean, and it was night, but it was very calm. There was a, a bright moon in the sky, and so there was a lot of uh, light in the scene. But I was being carried by something. I wasn't swimming, but I was being carried by something in the water. And pretty soon, I walked up on this beach of, a, of a, a small, deserted, tropical island. There were palm trees swaying in the breeze in this beach. And as I looked around at the sand, I noticed something very interesting. There were all of these jewels or gemstones just lying around in the sand everywhere. And um, the interesting thing about them was that they were all colored and they were shining with a, uh, an internal light, internal fire. And they were about this size, like this right here. And they were just laying all over, all over the sand. And so I was looking at those in such a beautiful scene and I just felt compelled to, to reach down and just pick up as many as I could. And I reached down to pick up the first one. And as soon as I did, the vision ended. And God spoke something to my spirit that was so profound. I still remember it all these years later. He said this. He said, my son, are you willing to be carried by my spirit to a land far away 
to pick up the jewels that no one else even knows about. And in that moment, he pulled back the curtain of heaven and gave me just a little picture of what he was painting in our life. And I knew in my spirit that those jewels represented children that he was calling us to go and to adopt. And I said, yes, Lord, I will. I will go. I will do that. That vision became a piece to the puzzle. Sometimes God wants us to, to, uh, to send us on a treasure hunt. Uh, I like Proverbs 25 too. It says that it is the glory of God to conceal things, which is interesting by itself, but it's the glory of kings to search things out. Have you ever tried to put together a puzzle without looking at the picture? It's kind of hard and frustrating. And that's a bit like our journey was over those 10 years. Uh, there were definitely moments like that when we were saying, God, I don't understand this. Would you give us another piece of the puzzle? Would you help us understand how these pieces that you've already given us fit together? But we trusted, we believed that his words were true, even when we didn't understand them. And that's one of the keys we're going to talk about in just a minute. In those 10 years, God was forging something in us. He was forging faith and patience, like Hebrews 6 says, so that we could inherit his promises. It took 10 years to build a foundation strong enough to support the weight of what he was bringing into our lives. In those 10 years, he took us from the somewhat normal idea of adopting one child to this wild and crazy idea of adopting four siblings all together at the same time. In the terms of, um, that are relevant here at Antioch, you could say that in 2007, he awakened us to the concept of adoption. He equipped us for 10 years, and then in 2017, he sent us out to complete the adoption mission. And when we landed in Lima, Peru, and I saw the palm trees along the beach, and I saw them swaying in the breeze, I knew that we were in the right place and that we were right in line with God's will for our lives. Now, if you want to know more about our journey, well, you have to read my book. <laughs> yes, I wrote a book called We Believed, um, and uh, it's, it's, I really like it. It's, it goes into our whole story. It tells much more than I can tell in, in uh, 35 or 45 or 55 minutes today. 35 minutes, 35 minutes today, yeah. <laughs> but listen, uh, some of you already read it, and I'll actually have some for sale after the service if you're interested in getting a, a copy. But I wrote it not just to chronicle the journey um, that we are on, but I wrote it to encourage you and your journey of faith as well, okay? Whether, it's, whether your journey is related to adoption or not, it, it really doesn't matter. You know, uh, one of the guys that endorsed this book, Stephen Jinks, he said, We Believed isn't a happy little story about adoption. This is a manual to radical faith. And that's what I want it to be, okay? See, our journey was about adoption, but you have your own journey, okay? I wrote it for the person that's still hanging on to that promise from God because there's people here that have those, okay? In fact, let me just ask you, how many of you feel like that you have a promise from God that you've been waiting on for a while? Yeah, how many have been waiting for a long time, like five years or more? Yeah, how about 10 years or more? Yeah, anybody 20 years or more? 25? 30? All right, Everett, this book is yours. Come get a copy. Well, you get this, you can, you can purchase them for somebody else. Thank you, that's Everett. <laughs> All right, I told you that I'm going to talk about faith and patience, so here we go. I've got three main points that I want to cover. Um, in order to successfully combine faith and patience, uh, to activate God's promises in your life, there's three things I feel like that you need to, to be able to do. The first is to be able to hear God's voice clearly. 
The second is to trust and believe God's word to you, even if you don't understand the whole picture that he's painting yet. And the third is to have the right kind of patience, what I call active patience. All right, so you need to hear God's voice. We talked earlier about how God has adopted us into our family, his family. That makes us sons and daughters. So I'm going to read um, from John uh, chapter 10, verse 27. I'll just read it from my notes for the sake of time. Um, Jesus says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Okay, so when we are in the family of God, we do hear God's voice. Now, sometimes I think we make the mystery, we make too much of a mystery of hearing God's voice. Right here in this book, there's over a thousand chapters of God's voice, okay? It's not necessary to have a or a vision or a prophetic word in order to hear God's voice. You can hear God's voice right here anytime you want. And in fact, this is the foundation for anything else that you feel like God may speak to you, okay? It's the boundaries for God's voice spoken into our spirit, Okay? It all comes right here. This is called the logos, and the, and the Greek word is the logos, the written word. All right, And here is a secret, and this is as much for, for me as it is for you in this season. Um, if you're going to hear God's voice, you're going to have to slow down and get quiet. If you're putting God's voice, mixing it in with the other 5,000 people you're following on Twitter, you're probably going to miss his tweet when it scrolls by in your feed. <laughs> I'm just saying you're probably not going to see it, okay? Typically, God does not shout at us. He speaks quietly and waits for us to hear. God told me once that he could shout so loudly that the entire universe would be destroyed, but he doesn't do that because he's our father. He wants us to hear his messages. He wants us to hear his voice, and so he speaks in a quiet way so that we can hear and understand, and we need to want that as well. Now, you start with the Bible as a foundation, but what about those dreams and visions? What about those prophetic words, those um, puzzle pieces that, that come uh, to your inner spirit, the witness? That's called the rhema word in Greek, the rhema word. Um, you know, if I hear a voice that says, um, that person's hurting, I want to go and pray for them right now. How do I determine if that's really from God or if that's just me or something, right? So here's the best way that I've learned to determine if a voice that I'm hearing is from God. Think about this. As I speak to you right now, the sound's coming out. It's going into your ear. Your ear translates the message to the brain. Then the brain translates the message to the rest of your body and to your spirit. That's the pathway that it goes, okay? But God is not a man. God is spirit. Now, he can speak audibly, but it's extremely rare when he does that. Most of the time when God speaks to us, it's to our spirit first. The message comes here, and then our spirit communicates the message to our brain, you see the difference there? It's, it's backwards, right? Well, it's forwards. The other way is backwards, I guess. But in any case, um, the, the pathway is different in how the message comes. Sometimes I find that my brain will try to say no to something that God's already said in my spirit. Okay, has that ever happened to you? You know, that happened in this vision when I had the vision about the jewels. When I first had that vision, my spirit was like, oh my goodness, that's so beautiful. I'm so excited to go and adopt children. And then my brain was like, you can't do that. You can't adopt. What are you talking about? You've never done this before. You've never, you have no experience in it. You've never adopted. And so I had to go back to my spirit and say, wait, 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 wait. I'm going to partner with God in my spirit. I'm going to partner with him there first. Okay. And brain, you got to get in line with, with my spirit because my spirit is, is driving the car here. 
All right, so part two, once you've heard God's voice, the second step is to believe God's words to you even if you don't understand, okay? Even if you can't see the whole picture yet. If your journey is anything like mine, there's gonna be things that God tells you in your journey that don't make any sense to you in the moment. You're gonna hear a message and you're gonna think, well, that's really weird. I don't know how that fits into everything else that, that God has told me. But what are you gonna do with that? You're gonna ignore it or are you gonna partner with it? Okay, one of the ways that I found to partner with that is just when God tells me something and I know it's him speaking, even if I don't understand it, I just say, okay, God, I believe you, I trust you and keep showing me how this fits in, this puzzle piece fits into the rest of the puzzle. Um, Turn with me to Numbers 23. Numbers 23. Because as we move along in our journey, we we have to get a sense uh, of trust in the Father, of trust in God, and knowing that his words are true, that he never lies to us, and he knows everything. And so when he speaks to us, he's speaking uh, with a voice of truth. Numbers 23, um, verse 19. It says, God is not man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken and will he not fulfill it? Okay, so in your journey, you've got to get this this overwhelming sense that God's words are true. Okay, whatever he says to you, his words are true. You may not understand it at the time, and that's okay. Be okay with that, okay? But collect those words, write them down, journal them, keep them in a place where you can go back and put them all together and fit them together later in your journey. If you have a big promise from God, you need to have an unrelenting belief that God is good and that he is for you. If you start from that perspective of God's goodness, it really helps to put all the pieces together and understand that God is not telling you messages. He's not speaking to you so that he can destroy your life or that he can um, rearrange your life in an ungodly way. He's doing it so he can bring order out of the chaos that may already be in your life. Um, The third thing is patience. Everybody want to talk about that? Okay, well, we're going to talk about it anyway. So you hear God speak to you about the promises he has for your life. You believe what he says about your journey. Even when you can't understand everything, it's time for the last step, patience. And what I like to call it is active patience. And here's the reason why. If I could just be honest with you, I hate waiting. I've stood in front of a microwave warming up a two-minute frozen meal and saying, come on, can't you go any faster? Can't you cook faster? I don't like to wait. But waiting patiently is more than just passing the time, twiddling your thumbs. Waiting is God's opportunity to sharpen our character before his promises arrive. It's his opportunity to sweeten the fruit that he is producing in us. You know, in the summertime, I love fresh peaches when they're fresh picked right from the tree. And you can pick a peach early and and you can eat it and it looks like a peach, but it does not taste very good. It tastes very green. It's not ready yet, okay? There's an element of time that has to happen, okay, for God's promises uh, to come out. You know, patience is part of the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience. And the author of Galatians says, against such things, there is no law. That means that we can be as loving as we want to be. We can be as kind, as joyful as we want to be. 
And we can be as patient as we want to be. There's no law against patience. And I think in our society today, I think every generation says this, but in our society, I think that's a good thing to remember, that there's no law against patience. My experience has been that when things are rushed, it's often the wrong choice or it's a spiritual attack. And the enemy is trying to get us to pick that fruit too early and it won't be as good. It won't be the right um, uh, consistency and taste that God is looking for. Sometimes I hear people say, uh, when I'm waiting, I just, I feel weak. I feel helpless because I'm not doing anything and I just, I want to do something. Um, Or they say, my waiting process has been so wearying that I I feel weak and beat down. Well, God has has an answer for that. Uh, You know, those are valid feelings, but God speaks to that weakness. And if we go to Isaiah in chapter 40, I try to exercise the whole, your fingers on the whole Bible today. Uh, Isaiah chapter 40, uh, starting in verse 31, it says this. It says, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. But those who wait for the Lord, okay? It doesn't say those who just wait. It says those who wait for the Lord. And this is the key. Active patience is choosing to participate with the process that God has for you so that when you get to the point of receiving the promises, that your character has grown to support the weight of those promises in your life. It's waiting for the Lord with the expectation that he is at work, even if you can't see it with your physical eyes. I love what John Phillips says in his commentary on Hebrews. It really combines these things all together. And he says this, he says, God's promises have a trust element in them that must be grasped by faith and a time element in them that must be grasped by patience. Let me read that again. God's promises have a trust element in them that must be taken hold of by faith and a time element in them that must be uh, grasped by patience. And it's that combining together of faith and patience that makes us ready to receive the promises that God has for us. Back at the beginning of our journey in 2007, when God invited us to partner with him in adoption, I thought it would happen really quickly. I did. Because I'd received the invitation through a supernatural vision, I thought he was going to do something supernatural outside of the normal adoption process and that that would be our experience. At the same time, he had given us a call to go on a mission trip as a family to the country of Burkina Faso in West Africa. And so I took those two puzzle pieces, adoption and Africa, and I just jammed them together and said, all right, here we go. We're going to Africa. We're going to adopt a child. And we told everybody that. We told our family that. We told our friends that. Pastor Jade, you probably remember that. You know, that we said, we think we might come back from this two-week family mission trip with an adopted child. And we came back, and it didn't happen. That led to a lot of soul-searching and trying to understand what happened. Did we miss it? Was God not true? What happened in the journey? And we had to, we had to go back and, and realize, okay, we had these two puzzle pieces. They're valid puzzle pieces. They don't fit together taking those apart, putting them back on the table, and we're going to wait till we get more puzzle pieces to fill in the picture of what God's doing, okay? But there were, um, we weren't ready at that time for the fullness of God's promises in our lives. His vision was much bigger than what we expected then. Um, there were resources that God had to provide for us. We had to move to a bigger house to add four kids to our family all at once. Um, that was part of our journey. 
okay? I was plagued by the orphan spirit or the orphan mindset back then. How could I transform orphans into sons or daughters if I was still plagued with that mindset? I had to grow. I had to become looking more like Jesus uh, in order to um, inherit his promises. So when you could hear God's voice and trust and believe God's words to you, even when you don't understand, and then wait patiently but actively, and you're on track to inherit the promises of God, like so many generations of believers before you. God is completely faithful always, and you can inherit his promises by listening to his voice and combining faith and patience. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to pray over you. And there's two things that I want to pray. Um, the first is, there's some of you this morning, as I talked about adoption, that your hearts are just burning. Maybe you've thought about adoption before. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've never considered it. But you're feeling like there's something stirring in your spirit right now that um, you'd like more insight to. Would you just raise your hand if that's you? Yeah. And if, if, if somebody's around these people, would you just extend your hand toward them? I just want to pray for you and, and bless you. Just raise your hand again if that's you. Awesome. Well, Father, I thank you for um, these people here this morning. Father, I ask that you would multiply the spirit of adoption that you've allowed us to carry with you to their lives. Father, I pray that you would give them wisdom in their journey, that you would impart your heart for the fatherless into their lives right now, this morning. You would show them the path. You would give them the puzzle pieces that they need to, to connect together, to see the full purposes of your life manifest. And Father, I pray your blessing over their families. I pray your blessing over their persons. I pray that every resource that they need to complete whatever uh, connection with adoption you want them to have, let every resource be in place at the right time so that they can walk confidently in your purposes and your plans Jesus' name I pray, amen. And now there's a second group that goes beyond adoption. You know, many of you already raised your hands earlier saying, hey, I've got promises in my life that haven't been fulfilled yet. There's things I know that God's calling me to that aren't there yet. Would you just raise your hand again? Because I want to pray for you as well. And same thing, you know, if you're around someone that's got their hand raised, would you just, just stretch out your hand toward them or even just put a hand on their shoulder if you're nearby? Father, I declare in the mighty name of Jesus a full activation of the promises of God in the lives of every person here listening right now. Father, I thank you that their faith is growing, their patience, the patient waiting is growing, and that you are bringing about every purpose and every promise. Your words do not return to you void. You are not a man that would lie. Every word that you have spoken will return to you accomplishing every purpose that you designed it to accomplish. And so I bless every word that's been heard by these people this morning. Every prophetic word, every dream, every vision, every unction from the, from the scripture, everything that has gone into their journey so far. I bless it. I pray you would increase it, that you would give them additional um, words and confirmations of the path that they are on and that you are calling them to and that you would make ready uh, a place in their heart to receive even greater promises their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
to the Antioch Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about us, visit AntiochCOS.com. Thank you.